0: Um, And um, Paul entrusted uh, uh, Titus And of course Timothy But Titus here uh, This young preacher uh, With uh, so much And so I I don't want to go back to the history of this Because I think I just want to Just kind of go through this book a little bit here I'm sorry for taking time away from Romans But this is what the Lord put on my heart We'll get back there as the Lord directs us But we're in verse number 1 The epistle of Paul to Titus uh, Paul, a servant of God. And um, let me just say that any preacher worth anything is a servant of God. Right? Now, as a pastor, I serve this church. That's what a minister is. But I don't work for you. Right? A pastor is not employed by the church for them to control what he does. Right? He's under the employee of the God of heaven. Right? Now, that's not to belittle what the church does and my service to the church or any pastor's service to the church. Right? But utmost and foremost is regardless of what anyone thinks, I must serve God. Right? If I begin to serve you, so understand what I mean by what I'm saying here. Uh, I am a minister and I serve the church, but under the direction of the Lord. I then become a man pleaser. Right? If I let your feelings control the pulpit, I'm a man pleaser. I'm a hireling. Right? I can't do that. I have to try to get and study and walk with God and get a message from the Lord and then battle 452 thoughts at once not to say anything to grieve the Holy Ghost, right? When I deliver the message, that's what preachers battle. So they're fallen people just like you with faults and problems, but they serve God. They serve God. And any preacher worth his weight is a servant of God. And I wouldn't be in a church where I didn't believe the pastor walked with God. Right, I want my pastor to walk with God. Amen. Amen. And so that's what Paul is. He left a pattern for that. Right now, uh, we can argue back and forth about him being a missionary, whatever you, however you want to put uh, Paul in his office. He had a special office which no longer exists, but he did pastor and care for the churches in which he established, and then would leave uh, pastors with them as he moved on to plant churches. Paul was a church planner, right? But he did occupy the, the part of a pastor at times when he was there. Uh, so Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, I'm not an apostle. Right? So them, them guys from usually from Africa on Facebook and say, Ap- Apostle Judas, or my, or my, or my, just go ahead and reject that friend request. Okay? Anybody ever get those? Drives me crazy. Apostle so-and-so. I don't think so, buddy. Alright, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. Alright, so here we have an introduction that he is writing to a specific man. We know part of these pastoral epistles are different in the sense that they're not addressing a particular church. This is addressing the man of God who he's left at a particular place, which is Crete, right? And so he's entrusted this young man there and said to to do a specific thing. He wanted to set in order some things that were wanting, right? So he had a specific mission for this man of God uh, and for some things for him to do. But it is an introductory here. Uh, I want to say just a couple of things in this verse 1. He said, the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. So let me say this. The acknowledging of the truth goes hand in hand with godliness right there's a lot of people out there that have the idea uh, that you just get saved and then godliness doesn't matter how you live doesn't matter right there's a, it's all it's all over facebook i see people that claim to be preachers all over the community once god saves you it's just a license to just go on and live as free as you want to that's not the freedom you and i have in christ jesus it's not the freedom the bible talks about be it, the acknowledging of the truth and salvation goes hand in hand with godliness, right? Read Romans chapter number six, right that 'll settle that for you. so it 's not okay to just say, well i got saved, but I live anyway. I want to live and I 'll end up in heaven when I die." All those various things. We know that. Uh, we 're free now to yield our members as instruments to righteousness. We're free. I wrote some things down, uh, the freedom uh, that, uh, that in which God intended uh, for us to have. I won't bore you with them too much because most of you know them. Uh, but I'm free to serve God. I'm free to serve righteousness. I'm free to serve you, right? Serve one another, right? Free to do that. Uh, I'm free to love people now. It was impossible before I got saved. I was bound up and the love of God shed abroad in my heart, and now I'm free and at liberty to love others and love God. Isn't that wonderful? Serve, but by love, serve one another. Free to do that. But I'm certainly not free to control my own life and indulge in my lusts. Not free to do that. Am I free to do that in the sense of capable of doing it? Absolutely. All of us are capable of sin. Why do we have, we'll go through this as we look through this in dealing with these Christians. He says, which witness is true and God still loved them enough to send the apostle Paul to establish a church. And Paul loved them enough to send uh, Titus there uh, to pastor a group of slow bellies. Isn't that wonderful? That's how much God loves people. So sure, saved people uh, uh, can sin. That's uh, all through the New Testament. Surely no one would argue that point. We've heard a lot of preaching on that, and that is certainly true. That doesn't excuse our behavior, but it's a truth. You will not, though we strive to do so, you will not perfect this flesh. Right? We're waiting for the redemption of the purchased possession. I believe Brother Oliver Read that this morning. Somebody did. Uh, And we're waiting for the adoption to wit. That is the redemption. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Right? But but in the meantime, that doesn't excuse me to allow my flesh to control my life. Right? I am not in charge of my life. Amen. Amen? Come on now. You submit yourself to the Lord and you've been bought with a price and God now owns you and he tells you what to do. Right? Pretty basic stuff. And so the acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. Salvation brings a change in your life and it will result in some godly living. Come on! Don't 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 die off on me now. Uh, when when a man gets saved, I thank God for salvation, and I thank God that in this life God wrought a change in my heart and brought about an ability, a power in which I can operate in a manner which is godly, which I could not do before. Right. I had nothing but the fruit of death in those things. It gave me nothing. And now I can now uh, 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 walk in the spirit and not the flesh. Isn't that wonderful? It takes a power to do that. You don't have that power as a lost person. But as a saved person, God, if you get saved, God will change your life. Right. Don't ever deny that fact or let anybody else deny that fact. Now, to what degree people want to define it's where they lose me. But God will change your life if he saves you. You young men, it wasn't long ago when you got right with God, you wouldn't have been at that church listening to Bible preaching on a Friday night. God wrote something in your heart. Amen. Right. God changed my life. Tyler drove by not long ago by the old house where we grew up. What did you see out there in them woods? An old rock altar back in them woods. If he had any idea what his daddy was doing in them woods before God saved him, he'd have a little bit of an understanding as to why I'm so crazy shouting happy in Jesus. All he remembers is a rock altar where he prayed with his dad. That's a wonderful change in my life has been raw since Jesus came into my heart. Amen. Amen. Now, what that doesn't equal is you can't mess up, right? <laughs> you certainly have the ability to really mess that change up. But God will bring a change in your life. Amen. Amen. And I thank God for that. Now, I done lost my place. How in the world did y'all let me flip over to Romans? Get too excited. God will bring a change. Salvation brings a change. What we don't have the right to do is is try to define people's salvation by our understanding of change. That's some of what I think Brother Oliver was mentioning this morning that brought a lot of confusion into a lot of people's lives. Because some man defined what change meant for your life and confused you about whether or not you were saved. I know some people struggle with some things for a long time. Uh, Some struggle with certain different types of things and other things. There's a progression to all those things. And so when you get into uh, trying to define for somebody whether or not they're saved, aren't you glad somebody didn't come to you and try to tell you you weren't saved by something? They just kept pointing you to Jesus. Just keep pointing folks to Jesus. Right? But you can't deny there's a change that'll be wrought in your life. Amen. Amen. Did you get changed when you got saved? Did God change you? Sure he did. Are you glad he changed you? Are you unhappy about it? Do you wish you were still back drinking and doing dope? I don't think so. You're glad God changed you. I'm just glad I haven't progressed further along than I have. Amen. Miss Barbara ought to be a lot better than I'm doing. But God changed me, changed my life and saved me. And I've messed up in the process. But God changed my life, gave me new desires in my heart. New song even. Isn't that wonderful? Godliness. Godliness. Let me ask you this morning, are you concerned with godliness? We should be, shouldn't we? Now verse number two. Let's move to verse number two. The acknowledging of the truth which is after godliness. And that's not just at salvation. Can I say that's a continual process? That's why the Bible says we need that renewing of our mind your mind gets messed up and when God gets you that truth man and you get to thinking right it will yield some godliness in your life it take, you take the truth out of it even a saved person's going to be in a mess that's a, that's a thing that will always be in your life stay by the truth brother Oliver said this morning just stick to the word of God study your Bible you're going to hear things preached and said by people you can't tr- you've got to just stay with what the word of God says not what some man says right whether it's me or anybody else, Amen. this book will never fail you. Amen. And it'll never change. Then yes. hope of eternal life. Now, that's not with our fingers crossed, is it? That's just patiently waiting. <laughs> that's as sure as you're alive, eternal life's coming. Hallelujah for that. Now, in this second verse, he, I get to thinking about this, and I don't... This, I'm not going to bore you with this because this way my mind operates. In hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised before the world began. Amen. He promised that, Brother Goose, he promised that to who? <laughs> that messed me up so bad the other day. God promised it before the world began. He didn't promise it to me. I wasn't there. That started messing my... And I've got no answer for that, by the way, other than him, himself, and I. I, mean, I don't know what he... But this promise that you're, you would have eternal life in Jesus is something... It sounds to me like you've got a father in heaven that wanted to spend eternity with you long before you were born into this world. Eternal life for them that believe on his son was a, not plan B as a result of a fall. It was something that was in the heart and mind of God long before there was a garden. God wants more than just save you up out of sin. God wants you to be in his presence and enjoy fellowship forever and forever. Amen. Some people, I tell my, uh, uh, you know, we've got that saying in flesh, absence makes the heart grow fonder. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you appreciate somebody if you just don't get around them for a couple weeks. <laughs> Thank you, Beth. Are you with me, Beth? am not telling it right. Some folks, I'm afraid I may be one of them folks for some people. But brother, I can't take you with about once or twice a week. But not so with God. There's never, there's never been a thought across his mind to think, boy, I need to get away from them for a little bit. I'm going to scream. I mean, long before the world was, God had purpose in his soul, in his heart, in his being, that you would spend eternity with him. Hallelujah for that. That thrills me. I'm very glad I got these shoes fitting right. God promised who cannot lie before the world began. It could be that determinant counsel and foreknowledge of God. Lo, in the volume of this book, they said, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Who was he talking to? See, these three are one, right? That could, I'm sure that's it. But Brother Goldston brought up a very good point. Now, I'm part of that creation of the world. It could be the angels also. Maybe that's part of what, I don't even know why I'm saying this. See, that's why you got to pray for your preacher. But this is how my mind operates. I start thinking about this stuff. Keep your mind off a lot of bad stuff. Maybe them angels were there. They're created, right? They're not not eternal and self-existent. Maybe he promised to them that he was going to have us. But that's hard for me to believe because they diligently desire to look into it. They know nothing of it. So all that I know is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost promised that there was going to be a man in this world created after their image. And he was going to give him eternal life through, their, through the Son. That's all that I know. And that's enough to thrill my heart. And God might just correct me when I get up there, what all that was about. But it's fun to think about, isn't it? Amen. Hey, what you've got, I'm going to do that John Morgan, get you awake. I'm telling you, what you've got is forever. Amen. If you're saved, you shall never die. Amen. See, I don't care what happens to you. I'm telling you, this thing's getting rough. It seems like the devil's doing everything. You can't go a week without something getting stirred up or him doing. Something. I mean, you can not hardly go a day. And it seems as we see the day approaching, it gets more and more divisive, more and more corrupt, more and more. And I'm telling you, but what we just need to reassure our hearts with is that what you and I have, we are saved forever. It didn't. It wasn't a desire in God's heart to give you an eternal, uh, to give you life for just a little bit, and if you didn't hang on to it, let it go. He didn't want to just spend time with you just long enough until you sinned to sin unto death. He wanted to give you life, and this life is eternal, and that life is in His Son, and if you've ever had it, you'll always have it. Amen. Hallelujah. I couldn't gain it, and I can't lose it. That ought to thrill you. You've heard these testimonies. Some people are so young uh, a lot of their uh, deeds and things that they did was since they got saved. And their testimony is, Hallelujah, I've got eternal life. <laughs> God had every right if he wanted to to write us all. He could have said, I want to give them life so long as they do right. I'm going to give them life just so long as they keep doing this. I'm going to give them life as long as they're doing uh, uh, faithful so many times a week. Or I'm going to give them life as long as they dress right. Or I'm going to give them life as long as they're respectful. Or as long as they're kind. I'm going to give them life for just so long as they just keep the law. I'm going to give them life as long as they do that. No, he said, when I give them life, I'm going to give them a life that's eternal in the heavens forever. Amen. You've got eternal life, friend. Amen. And again, he's going to show us, not the excuse for you to do what you want to, but that's something that ought to just put a little joy in your heart, that your life that you have in Jesus is forever. Amen. It, it never had an end, and never had an end, and it never had a beginning now, at some point there 's a marked place that he promised eternal life as he was in eternity Now I, a lot of that i don 't understand, but all I, can know, all I need to know, I do understand God promised eternal life Amen. in Jesus Christ to any man, woman, boy, or girl, rich, poor, black, and white, that 'll believe on Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And I want to live as holy as I can live. I tell you, I do. But I come way far short of that. Amen. And I still ain't lost it. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Keep on keeping on. Amen. That ought to stir your heart a little. Amen. He said to whom he did promise uh, and it was impossible for God to lie. And uh, boy, time's getting away from us here. And, uh, well, can you can you imagine that thought? Here, you know what I was thinking, Mr. Love? I was thinking, Tyler, it won't be long. Tyler will probably be gone a couple of years. I'm not going to be like that one preacher. He he done had one one of our dear friends dead when he was preaching. Y'all remember that? <laughs> Try to be careful. But it won't be long. He'd be probably, you know, get married, brother Oliver. Before long, get married and move out. Uh, can I? Uh, for it's right for him to leave and cleave? Is that right? That's what the Bible said. And uh, won't be long. He'll be gone, and I tell you what—I find no joy in that, really. Amen. Brother Joshua, I don't—I I don't think you find any joy. That it won't be long. That little lady be leaving. You just—all I can remember is—I i can see now walking through them woods, and that little boy with little BB gun. His presence is precious to me. These—all these, these little—these kids of mine. And you know what? Through my heart, God's the same way. He finds no pleasure. God wants to spend eternity with you. God's not promised you something you can lose. I don't know why I'm just stuck on that. We know that as good Baptists, but sometimes we don't act like it, do we? We act like we can lose it. The devil brings fear in our hearts because if we did something, it must mean we never did have it. Can I remind you, he's a liar. God gave you eternal life. And not just to live, but to live with him. Thank God for that. I'm not, that just, some of these thoughts just get you sometimes. But, and to, now let me move on. That was, uh, we'll just lay out a little bit of groundwork and come back here, Lord willing. Tonight, I know it's been a little slow as I get started in this portion of scripture but uh, this is, of course, Paul speaking here. He said, God who cannot lie promised before the world began this eternal life. And then in verse 3, he said, but hath in due times. So we went from eternity, we've gone to time now. He's manifested his word through what? Say it with me. Let's do, let's do, Doug, let's do Doug Rain. Manifested his word through preaching all right let's hold up here and slow down so he's going to talk about you know we all know the verses that he chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe and i I, i've just tossed this in my mind i and i and i won't bring it up but uh I want to make some statements about something in your Christian life that's vital, just as vital to you and your Christian survival or success or whatever you want to call it, as prayer and Bible study is the preaching of the Word of God. Amen. Now people make little, little of that and say, well, I don't, I, you know, I can just read my Bible. I don't believe God has, has so made you up as a Christian to be able to survive without Bible preaching. Amen. He said who God hath in in due time manifested his word through preaching. And it's not just one little thing. It's not just in the gospel. I believe there's many things that at the right place, at the right time, God manifests. He shows forth his word through preaching. Right? And so it is vital, young people listen now, it is vital to your Christian life that you put yourself under sound Bible preaching. Amen. It's important to your survival and it's important to your success. I hate that word. And by success, I just mean glorifying God with your life. Amen. It's vital that you keep yourself under, under Bible preaching. Amen. While also being a good Berean, a good Bible preacher can say some unbiblical things. Amen? Come on. Everybody okay? Some of my favorite preachers walking this earth have said some things I thought, "Mm, I don't know about that. And one man said it best. He said, it's like a buffet. Now, be careful with this now. Because the buffet is not your belly. Right? You're not picking and choosing what you like out of the message. That's what I do in a buffet. I pick and choose what tastes good. If it's got color to it, junk it. If it's good for you, throw it out. If it's got carbs, real high carbs in it, load her up, buddy. That's how we eat a buffet. Am I telling it right? Well, some of us anyway. Some of you, I don't know. You, you uh, don't probably know what I'm talking about. Uh, but uh, what, uh, what, what he means by that statement is, is that you, you, you just like you read a book. Anybody ever talk to you about reading a book and say, uh, uh, spit out the bones but chew up the meat? You read a man like M.R. DeHaan he's going to have some good things to say to you, but he's, going to, he's a Bible corrector. He's going to try to correct the Bible. This is an unfortunate rendering. You know, he's so educated. Boy, God just missed out when he wasn't on the translation, in on the translation process. But she's got some good things to say too. I can go through John Phillips. I can, I, your, your Schofield Bible. Schofield didn't write that, by the way. Right. right. He just added some parts to the bottom. There's a lot of things you'll see in your Schofield notes that are not so. Amen. And he didn't start dispensationalism. God started that in his word. The dispensation of the fullness of God. God's the God of dispensation. Anyway, preaching's no different you're going, to hear, you're going to hear a man preach, and I try my best to be clear and remove myself from the position of authority to the position of opinion. And make clear to you, if I'm preaching something, this is how I personally believe it. That's not binding. But if I preach to you something that's from this Bible, it's your responsibility to obey it. Amen. Right? My responsibility is to deliver it. It's yours to obey it. Good luck, because I can't do it perfectly either but it's not my responsibility to see that you do it, but that you get it. Amen. So when you go through and you hear Bible preaching and you hear somebody preach the word of God and he preaches something you're unsure of, you give that man benefit of the doubt, you go to the word of God, and if it ain't in this word of God, then you're not bound to it. Amen. Right? Amen. Now, that's very rare at times. usually has to do with Scruples, it has to do with gray areas of things and preferences and culture and time and various things that that, that particular church has. And there's, there's different things to that. But in part, I want to say, young people especially, don't let somebody preach something and blow you out because they preach something that maybe you disagree with. Okay? Learn how to take Bible preaching. And, and, and God's got a fallen man doing this job. And so you take that preaching and you take this Word of God and you just measure up to this Word, not to some man. Right? And that's me or anybody in this pulpit. God don't want you to be like me. My opinion's like everybody else a lot of times. But if it's in this Word, right? Stay in the Word of God. It had done, it had done some, some of Ruckman's followers to do good to just read the Bible and just quit following Peter Ruckman. Jack Hiles, same way. Don't follow a man because he's fallen. Stay in your King James Bible. Okay? But hath in these due times manifested his word through preaching. Due times. See that plural? So that's why I say I think that continues on. And here's where I'm going. God has some things to say to you at a right time, and he'll do that through preaching. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Am I losing anybody here? There's times I didn't even know things about myself until somebody started preaching it and I thought, oh, me. That's me. God help me. Right? And I've read the same verses that man read. Never saw what God gave him out of that. And I got on the altar and said, oh, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God uses preaching in your life. And God will use that preaching to help you to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord. You've got to learn how to view and receive Bible preaching and, 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 and be an understanding of that, that that is a man who is a man who is trying to do the best he can not to grieve the Holy Ghost and battle so many different problems and thoughts and everything else and preach to you what he fully is persuaded of as being the truth. Right? And pray for his poor little heart. That's hard. That's hard to do. Because there's been times where I've been fully convinced it's God. And it could have even been true. But it's probably the wrong time. Probably the wrong spirit. I've preached some things that were true. But I've preached it wrong. And I've hurt in the wrong way. And I've hurt people. I've done that. That probably won't be the last time I've ever done it. God help me. I don't want to be that way. Brother Goose, there's been times I've preached and it's been right, but I've been wrong in how I delivered it. You don't have to be you don't have to be a jerk to preach the Bible, Amen. right? Amen. Now, having said that, let me say this: it's not your job to determine how I deliver it or what gets delivered to you, right? Now, we're going to go through this, but it's not your job to say, well, I didn't need you to rebuke me sharply. I needed you to say it kindly. That's not your job to figure out. God knows what you need, and God tells me, not you, what the church needs to hear. Right. Well, I think you should have been nicer about it. You couldn't be right. Pray for me. But Paul, God, the, the Paul told this young preacher, he said, this witness of them is true. And don't go up to them and say, well, you've been through a lot. Bless you a little hard. Probably best you didn't do that though. Okay, buddy. He said, rebuke them sharply. Amen. That word means to cut them. Anybody ever been cut and it felt good? No. It hurts to get cut. You say, why is that? Because even your your response to a sharp rebuke will reveal a lot about your character. Right? And if you can't take being rebuked sharply when you're wrong, then it's revealing a lot about your character. And until that happened to me, I never saw that about myself. I know this because I've been there. I've had somebody just wham when I thought, man, you know how much I've been through? You couldn't have just told me that without doing it like that. You know what? That God just then here you go with your man that was like, oh, that's exactly why God did that. Because I'm prideful and arrogant and I'm a sheep. I don't know what I need. God gives me what I need. He feeds the sheep through the under shepherd. You don't get to determine what to eat that day. Come on now. They said, well, I'm going to go to a church where I can tell the preacher what I need. Go on find you one. But it ain't going to be down here. I'm going to do my best to find out what God wants me to say. And I'm going to deliver it to you in the best spirit I know how. And I'm going to say it in the best way I feel like God wants me to. And if you're not happy with that, you need to just pray about it and quit attacking people over it. Right. Good. Come on, don't let me kill it. I'm telling it right. Right. He didn't go to Crete and say, well, you little Cretans, what can I have for Titus to deliver to you? That's not what he said. He said, this is exactly how they are, and here's how you are going to handle it. You're not going to go take in a majority opinion and find out what they want fed. You're going to rebuke them sharply that they could be sound in the faith. Right? Everybody Okay no that's not always the case you go through here you see it in Jesus you know why that's important that a man has the ability because there's times in which that is so necessary how many times did Jesus deal with a sinner the exact same way mm-hmm. never there's one time a woman had been through so much she was so down she was on the edge of despair and he called her a dog yep, that's right. am I telling it right? Uh, right. right now Jesus that wasn't nice do you know what that lady been through? Now, he wasn't doing that. For, I don't know why he was doing that. That's his business. Right. See, Right? right? So it's important that you have different. You can't be fed a steady diet of being encouraged because you don't always deserve to be encouraged. Neither do I. Amen. That's right. Right? That's right? You get fed a steady diet of praise, you're going to have a little brat like I've just nearly raised. Where's Hannah? She's out now. Ever's pointing to her. I about ruined her, Brother Aid. She can't do nothing wrong. I'm about to get that rod out and get to work on her. But that's my little baby. Am I telling it right? You keep telling the kid, oh, little Johnny, we're so proud of you. I know you stabbed that little boy, but bless your heart, you had a lot going on that day. And, and uh, uh, don't you yell at Johnny. That's my little baby. You're going to turn up and end up in prison is what you're going to have. And same thing with the Christian. You keep telling the Christian how great a job they're doing when they're not doing a great job. They need to be strongly and sharply rebuked to be sound in the faith. And thank God for the times that I had a real man who would take a King James Bible and rebuke me sharply that I could be sound in the faith. And I wasn't soft peddled and told how great I was. I'd be worse than I am now if it were possible sharply. Well, that hurts. I didn't deserve for you to do me that way. You don't know what you deserve to get. That's God's business. You understand what I'm saying here? He he is going to lay out some groundwork here and he is going to go in he don't he does he doesn't set order in the church by going to the majority and finding out what they need. He didn't go to a deacon board. He didn't go to anybody else. He did not go to the majority of the people and have a vote on it. He went to the man of God and said, this is what they need. Now give it to them, Amen. whether they like it or not. Amen. And thank you better thank God if you go to a church where you've got a preacher that won't worry about your feelings. It'll just give you what God said. Amen. Because it's a whole lot easier just to be nice all the time and tell you how wonderful you are. Believe you me. Amen. I've gained no friends by having to sharply rebuke anybody. But i got to follow God. And if you fall out with me over it, that's on you to meet God with, not because I rebuke you sharply. Come on. We used to get this all the time. Now it's like so uncomfortable, old preacher. We're going to lose people. Don't preach like this. You're going to upset them. That's the problem with them. They spend, they spend all day long uh, uh, just consumed with their self on Playstations and Facebook and Instagram and selfies and snapshots and just consumed with self and they just can't take Bible preaching. This used to be steady diet. We got a steady diet of being told that we were wrong and we need to straighten up and be right with God. We got told that all the time 10 years ago. Same side, if you get that all the time, you'll have the meanest bunch of uh, Pharisees you've ever seen in your life. Got to have a good balance. Amen. And that's probably one thing you need to pray for your preacher more than anything. What we got losing the time is that I'd stay balanced and follow God. Amen. God won't never put, put too much on one side on you and hurt you. He'll always balance that thing back out. Help you grow. He'll get you leaned all the way over. You feel like you're just going to fall out. And then he'll just pop you right back up with some, some kind of encouraging message. God will do it. Just trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. And if you don't believe your pastor, see, if, you, if you'll take it as it is in truth, the Word of God, and if you don't believe your pastor walks with God and gets direction from God, I'd go somewhere else. I mean that. I'm not going to behave. I'm being serious. I'm not going to be in a church and I don't feel like the pastor walks with God. Amen. Have, have, have confidence in the Lord. The Lord's gonna help you through the preaching and we're done. He's made, he's made manifest in his word through preaching which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Verse number four, he said, to Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. See, this this is not a tr- true democracy, Right? So Paul establishes things. He had to do this at Ephesus. There was other places. If you go through the book of Acts, that he was run out early and didn't get to set things. So we sent another man of God who was as like-minded as he was, who had been entrusted with the faithful doctrines and the truths and sound doctrines. And he'd set him there and said, Now, there's some things lacking, some things I didn't get to fully establish, and I want you to set them in order. God's church has got to be a place of order. Amen. Right? And you're going to see an order. We don't get to do it now, but we'll do it tonight. You're going to see an order in the church. He's going to start with the man of God. That's not in importance. That doesn't mean I'm more important than you. If you believe that, you're crazy. If you think I believe that, you're crazy. But everything rises and falls on leadership, doesn't it, Brother So he starts with that man of God said now I want you to set some things in order and here's how I want it done and he gives him direction which is coming through Paul but we believe that to be God doing this right God's orchestrating these things and he starts there. And then he tells them, here's how I want you to do it. I want you to go in there, and then I want you to go to every single city, and I don't want you to go in there and take a poll and find out what people want to hear. I want you to go in there and find some faithful men that, are, that, are, that, 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 that qualify, and I want you to ordain them as elders, and I want you to entrust with them what I've entrusted to you so they can follow God and they can preach to people. Amen. Right. It's not a democracy where we vote on what God feeds us right to Titus my own son after the common faith grace mercy and peace God our father Lord Jesus Christ our Savior for this cause and we're done I promise you left I thee in Crete that thou should have set in order thou that's that's not plural right come on now I'm not I'm not trying to promote anything I'm just trying to follow biblical order I want I want I want God's church to always be in order right don't you you get somebody out of order, things get messed up. When you start doing the pastor's job, you are out of order. Right? You're out of order. Stay in your order. He goes down through here. He's going to deal with it with the, after he ordains these elders. Then he's going to deal with aged men, aged women, the young women, and young men in that order. And, and as important as you young men are to this church, you are not number one. Right? That's good. I'm glad y'all like that. So here's the cause. Now, this this church ain't Crete, so please don't misunderstand me. These people got some real problems. What I took out of that is, hallelujah, God still loves failing, saved people. Don't you think? <laughs> But he does want some order. This is a biblical order of how he wants things to happen. So he had him go in there and he said, I want you to ordain elders in every city as I had pointed thee. And look how he starts with that. He starts with them elders. See, that's why I have to to live up to a much higher expectation. Uh, It it doesn't mean that a a, a, a general member shouldn't be blameless or the husband of one wife or having faithful children, right? But this is vital to a pastor, right? Right? I lose these things who wants to follow a person whose kids are running crazy right out here drinking and doping and everything else Amen. Amen. so this cause I left the increase here's what I want you to do I want you to set in order the things that are lacking the things that are missing they were disorderly and I want you to ordain elders in every city if any be blameless the husband of one wife that's not that's not sinless right we went through that. I'm not going to labor it again. Blameless, a husband of one wife, faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. Tyler, Taylor, Hunter, Jordan, and Hannah, are you listening? Faithful children, not accused of riot and unruly. For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry. Amen. Amen. Not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre, but a lover of hospitality. A lover of good men, sober, just, holy, temperate, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Number one problem right there. Start with me. People say that. I go, I go everywhere and I say, they'll say, well, what is it? People giving you a hard time at your church? I said, yeah, you're looking at him. I'm the biggest problem at Tabernacle. Right? We all need to take responsibility for ourselves. Stand to your feet. We're done. Stand to your feet. Brother Reed's going to give us a a word. Most of you know this. You've just forgotten it. Or you've just flat out rebelled against it and gotten out of order. And if that's the case, repent and just get right. The Lord wants to ordain elders in every city. He put qualifications on them. He said, I don't want you to just get anybody because what I'm going to have him doing is vital. It's important that he is this way. And I want you to ordain these elders in every city. And then from there, because here's, here's one of his number one problems, brother. Just like what brother Oliver mentioned this morning. His number one problem that he had to contend with was unsound doctrine. Things that were not true. And so he wanted men to go in there, and we'll see it tonight. But he wanted him to go in there and be able to straighten out some things that were just not so. Lord, we love you. Uh, thanks for the message this morning. Thanks for the good spirit. Lord, you helped us so much by the word, the good testifying, the good testimonies. And, Lord, just help all of us to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. There's no big eyes, little U's, none of that in the church, Lord. Uh, we're all members in particular. We're all just as important to the body as any other member. And so, Lord, we love you, and we thank you that you'd even place us in the body and save us. Now, just help all of us, Lord, to do our part to make sure you get all the glory and everything's done in this church. We love you in Jesus' name. Keep your head bowed just a moment. If you need to come, we'll have one verse if you need to come.